This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the Business of Government Hour, a conversation about management with a government executive who is changing the way government does business. The Business of Government Hour is produced by the IBM Center for the Business of Government, which was created in 1998 to encourage discussion and research into new approaches to improving government effectiveness. You can find out more about the center by visiting us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. And now, the Business of Government Hour. Welcome to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host and leadership fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government. How is the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs using Enterprise Risk Management, ERM, to assess threats and opportunities facing the department? What is VA doing to anticipate the future? And how can strategic foresight and customer-driven ERM help government leaders make better decisions? We'll explore these questions and so much more with my very special guest, Preston Finley, Director of Foresight, Strategic Planning, and Risk Management at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Preston, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Great. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Also joining me today from IBM is Mark Newsom. Mark, welcome. Thanks, Michael. Glad to be here. Preston, let's start off with some context. What is the mission of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, VA? Well, VA's mission is to fulfill the President Lincoln's promise, right? It's to care for him who shall have borne the battle for his widow and his orphan so that but that should be extended now right because it was very singular very focused but now we have an entire ecosystem we have caregivers we have the families which is encompassed in there but it extends further and there's all these these participants in this space that are so critical especially when you expand out with like uh, the mission act and things like that where we're sharing where we're receiving also from the community during the our fourth, uh, basically our fourth mission during the COVID. So uh, so it's extended perhaps even further than uh, the president ever thought of. That's great. Thank you. So, you know, I was wondering, what's the purpose of VA's Enterprise Risk ERM program? What prompted its creation and how does it support the overall mission of VA? So I, I did, wasn't with VA at the time. I was with another agency at that time. But uh, A123 was released, and of course, you had the playbooks, and you had other documents, but it, it finally codified it and said, this is, this is what you shall do, and you must do. And they literally broke it up in the must-dos and the should-dos, and it gave some guidance. It gave federal guidance uh, so that they could say, oh, this is how we start, and uh, this is how we can get things moving. And then you mature it as you move along, but uh, in VA's case, I believe that was this, the same truth is that this information made them go, oh, okay, well, we, you know, this is enough guidance. We can actually get started because risk is not something that's, that everybody knows about, that everybody does naturally. And uh, this gave it clear guidance on what we must do and what we can achieve by doing it. So that was a, uh, that was a pivotal, pivotal document. Uh, thanks for that, Preston. And would you tell us more about your duties and responsibilities as Director of Strategic Foresight and risk management at the VA? 
Well, actually, that has expanded since we last spoke. <laughs> so um, I'm actually now the director of uh, Foresight Strategic Planning and Risk Management for VA. They've combined, uh, pulled another team in under my umbrella. So I have that kind of that whole gambit with exception of maybe governance and performance, but I have the other pieces now. So which aligns perfectly in my mind. And with A11 and A123 now nesting together in the same function. So, but our duties are in both spaces, of course, now is to, uh, and think about it in a linear way to a certain extent, although it is more of a swirl because these things constantly are supporting and connecting to each other in almost like a Deming cycle to a degree. And uh, so foresight is the advanced notice of potential things for strategic planning. And uh, foresight, actually the federal foresight community of interest was originally born uh, and founded by VA. And uh, so, and I actually, that's why I started participating in it from another agency when I worked for the U.S. Postal Service. And uh, so I worked with VA back then on foresight as well as teaching foresight to other agencies, giving them guidance uh, on a variety of things. And that helps to establish the emerging risk and the emerging opportunities that an agency could take advantage of or mitigate. So, but you got to know those things in advance. So you don't just do strategic planning in a vacuum. And it isn't necessarily a day-by-day activity. But A11 basically says you should be doing some form of foresight so you don't get uh, surprised and that you can manage that in advance. So once you have good insights of what the future is going to be, you can start to develop reasonable strategic plans, especially if you're doing it on a constant basis. Otherwise, you're having to do big, giant, major surgery. But if you do it uh, all along, every day, and you pick up little pieces here and there, tidbits, and you track spaces, uh, then you can really, really provide some real insights to senior leadership so that that can inform the strategic plan so that you can be better prepared. Now, of course, once the strategic plan and all that has been disseminated and it's fully understood and you've tied it to the objectives and you put it against budget and you got your resources organized and you start working against that plan so that you can accomplish what you intend to accomplish, you also need the risk leg. You have to have the risk leg to ensure your strategies are going to be successful. Most organizations um, are good at it, but only if they've got experience, knowledge, and the right people in those places. There seems to be a bit of a uh, shortage of risk professionals, it seems to me, in the federal service. And when we talk on the side in a lot of places, there's just not a lot of people who know how to do it in the federal space. Because if you come from private sector, the approach is a little different. And they're looking more at opportunities. And you don't see opportunities all the time in risk registers in uh, the federal space. Not as often as I would expect it to be. So you got to have the risks, and that is a critical function. You need the evidence and the assessments from the risk management to ensure that your strategies are successful. So, Preston, regarding your responsibilities and duties, what are the top challenges that you have faced in your position? And more importantly, how have you sought to address those challenges? Well, I don't think our challenges are really very different from just about any of the other uh, federal agencies. Because this is, again, one of those things that it's best known in the private sector. It tends to be a little bit, in some agents, some companies anyways, it tends to be very financially focused, financially driven, as opposed to non-financial risk. And MVA, you know, has financial risks to a certain extent. you got fraud, waste, and abuse, you got other spaces. But in this case, it's the non-financial that I think bring the most opportunity is, is customer experience, 
which VA has actually been really making a lot of progress with customer experience. Uh, I think you might know, or maybe you don't, but uh, they've actually gotten up to a 90% on trust amongst veterans for their medical care. That's almost unheard of. That is outstanding. But that's part, that's my opinion. That output to the outcome for the veterans is the most essential point. This is why you do risk management. If you have a customer base, we call our customer base the veterans and their families and the caregivers. But if in a traditional company, private sector selling for profit, you're thinking of those customers. And in this case, you have to provide that customer service because you won't exist in a few months if you don't, because your competitors that are doing it and maybe doing it better uh, will, will take your share. So you have to be very good at it. And in federal agency, we, we think about customers, but unfortunately, sometimes people think too much about compliance. Compliance is an activity that must happen. I understand that. But at the same time, which ones are the most important ones? Ones that are customer-facing or veteran-facing in our case. It's got to generate better and more positive outcomes for the veteran. And those are some impressive veteran experience numbers that you cited there. What has surprised you most during your tenure at the VA? So... It, this is a, actually, it's funny because I came from the Postal Service to VA, direct to VA. And um, they have a similar experiences in different ways, if that makes any sense at all. But the Postal Service is uh, independent executive. Uh, they have to earn every dollar. There's no appropriations. But it still comes down to the customer because they have world-class competition. And you have to compete in that space. So you have to be customer-focused. And uh, I'll tell you, in my 23 years there, it resonated with the employees. And if something got missed and should have been on a truck and all the trucks are gone, I don't know how many times myself and some of my uh, fellow employees and managers and supervisors managed to make a timely stop on their way home from work uh, to drop off the package, which I was on tour one, which is a graveyard ship. So it meant I was dropping off their house about 8, 9, 10 in the morning. So they had it faster than they would actually got if it actually made its route to the station and then to their post office box. So it, it, it definitely resonates there, but it's true with VA. They're dedicated to taking care of our veterans in all, in all channels, whether it's healthcare, whether it's in benefits and claims and loan guarantees, uh, right on down to uh, uh, cemeteries and memorializations. So all across the organization, there's that dedication. So that, that is one thing that's, that I was, thrilled to see that they had the same levels of dedication to largest civilian agencies having the same kind of mindset. And uh, I, I didn't know, I didn't know as much, nearly as much about VA when I got there as uh, I probably maybe should have, but, um, but I was in a different space for a long time, but they are so similar in their mindset and approach. And it's been wonderful. Preston, I often ask my guests about their leadership uh, approach. How, how do you lead? Uh, in your mind, what are the characteristics of an effective leader? Well, everybody's, I guess, got their own approach. And you pick it up along the way. In my opinion, some of that comes from your parents and the elders that you have at the time. And how do they conduct themselves with not just family, but with friends and, and business partners and things like that. And you kind of pick some of that up along the way. And then you get into a culture, whether it was private sector, public sector, and I've been in both, and the cultures are different, but you see great examples of leadership. And I'm talking about managers, I'm talking about leaders, and they have their own traits, and all of them are unique. That's what makes you a good leader. You have to have the conviction of what you believe in passion, great communicators, people who care about people, care about their community, 
those are all ones. And I learned those in like, you know, my bachelor's program as the three C's, you know, competence and, and all that and the communications and yeah, those were always taught, right. in all these MBA type classes. And, and that kind of like, kind of like, well, you know, codified it a bit for me, but then as I moved along and I started seeing some examples of great leadership and the opposite, <laughs> and you probably learn as much from the opposite as you do the great leadership. Uh, but you pick all those up. I'm not going to do that. I will do that. I would definitely want to be more like that. Uh, but there are, so in VA, they have a servant leadership uh, program and approach. And I like that. That dovetails with my, some of my own background where I'm a Gallup certified facilitator instructor for employee engagement. And I did not work for Gallup, but Gallup trained some folks at Postal because the organization is so large, teaching the executives all the way to the front line and poised. So they deputized, if you will, some of us to help do that. And uh, the 12 principles of the Q12 are outstanding, if you want to use that as a, a foundation. Servant leadership, which is not just VA, is um, all over the place, and it's an excellent approach as well. But if you keep focus on your customers, your employees, and you're trying to do right by all of them every day, you're going to do pretty well. You might make some mistakes along the way, but as long as you actually come back with honesty and integrity and uh, keep focused on the people that matter, you'll get where you need to go and where the organization needs to go. What is customer-driven enterprise risk management? We will ask Preston Finley, Director of Foresight Strategic Planning and Enterprise Risk Management at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. To support government financial performance and accountability, financial systems must meet certain standards, and relying on outdated financial systems inhibits progress. ERP vendors are encouraging clients to move to the cloud and consider new technologies such as robotic process automation, blockchain, and AI to enhance financial productivity. Download the IBM Center Report Financial Management for the Future at businessofgovernment.org to learn why and how government can evolve to meet the demands of a digital world. The Ebola crisis in West Africa from 2014 to 2016 was an epidemic that put emphasis on global capacity to respond to international disasters. How can government better assess the needs of those affected and help them? The IBM Center Report Responding to Global Health Crisis by Professor Jennifer Whitner breaks down the U.S. response to the Ebola crisis and provides insights on lessons learned that may aid the government responses in the future. Download your free copy, Responding to Global Health Crisis, at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Preston Finley, Director of Foresight, Strategic Planning, and Risk Management at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Preston, before we delve into specifics, I want to talk about concepts and, and introduce them to our audience. What is Enterprise Risk Management ERM? And more importantly, how does it differ from traditional risk management approaches? Well, it started out, as I mentioned earlier, it started out more as a financial activity. Who did most risk management early? The financial businesses, the financial companies. They were the ones doing most of it initially. And it morphed from there, and it, it's moved along. It's gotten a lot of compliance activities. you got a lot of financial activities. And even recently, in the last couple of years, OMB has given guidance, some very specific guidance, to start reaching beyond financial, start reaching beyond compliance. Go for the non-financial, and not necessarily compliance, although sometimes they are. 
And, um, but that's almost by happenstance because some of the best risks may be something that's being audited or tracked. But in this case, they've, they've given guidance. You should be doing more of this. You sh- should be doing more foresight. You should be doing the whole ecosystem that makes strategies work. From the front side foresight to strategic planning, the risk management, the performance, the governance, all of those things need to be there. You have to have evidence. You have to have requirements. All these, these best practices have to come together. And it's difficult for many organizations to pull all those threads together into one spot and to make it work. And, uh, but that's one of the challenges. Federal sectors got a little bit later start in general. I know that organizations like DOD have done risk management programs for many, many years, but civilian agencies haven't done it as long. And they certainly haven't been doing it as long as some of the biggest companies in the world who have been at this for 20, 30, 40 years. So we're kind of still trying to play catch up, but uh, between OMB and many of our partners and other agencies have got some great ideas and they're really doing great work and advancing and maturing their organization through that. So now I'd like you to tell us a little bit more about your concept of customer-driven ERM. What exactly is that? And how can one apply sort of agile methods, applications, and ERM across the department? Well, that's the thing, right? So I've, I've worked in other places, and, uh, and I've seen a lot of different risk approaches. And I've got certifications and all that too. But even then, when you've got even a couple certifications or experience or however you have it, you're going to come up with your own style, typically, and uh, and try to do it a certain way. Now, in my case, with risk in particular, I, I think that it should be assessed. It's you got to look at it, you got to think about it, and I think foresight's one of the most important pieces because you don't want to do it after the risk has already hit your front door. You want to know that opportunity or risk when it's still curbside. You know, it, you've got some space and you can do something with it, and that's one of the critical pieces of it. And I find it kind of funny because people get too focused sometimes on the compliance elements and they're not really thinking all the time about opportunities. That seems to be kind of an nascent space. And I could tell you right now, some of the biggest ones I've seen that brought the most value, um, uh, I'll give a couple examples of VA, but I want to just highlight one postal service did. And I got, I got to play a small part in it too. So it's not like I was the big leader, the big honcho, anything like that. But I definitely had a small part to play. But do you remember uh, when we had all those rate changes at the Postal Service? And they would do this like change from whatever, 39 cents to 42 cents or something, right? And Postal Service would get beat up every night on the evening news, the news, the newspapers and radio shows and everything else that was going on. Uh, every time one happened because it was such a tough experience for people. They would have to go like buy those markup stamps and everything else. And, and it was quite a challenge. And, and there's times where they would run out, people would be upset. And uh, it, was, it was actually really, really traumatic for people. Some people anyways. And it was tough for us too. to hear we're getting beat up every day. And, and so the idea came about that, well, this is just, this is one of our biggest pain points. And so this is just not good for our customers. Why do they have to do this? And so the idea came about that, you know, those, you, why don't you just have forever stamps that you buy it now at 39 cents and down the road, you've been hanging on to them, hoarding them, whatever you're going to do. And, uh, and maybe someday it'll be 50 cents worth of stamps and you paid 39 Woo! you just made a profit. Um, but in this case, um, it, it's a huge factor for the customer. Turned out it's also a huge benefit to the organization because now you don't have to rotate out the stock stamps 
and ship them all back and then destroy them because you have to destroy excess postage. It's technically legal tender. And, and so it saved tons of cost. It helps with compliance. And it actually, actually really was a game changer for customers. They, ne- they never had to go back and go get those makeup stamps. You could just run out of whatever stamps you got, go buy some more, and you didn't have to deal with any of it. So it was a huge game changer. And actually, it started out only for comm- uh, commemoratives, but it's a pretty much extended to every line of business Postal Service has now, whether it's priority mail or packages, things like that. There's a forever stamp for almost everything. And it's uh, very, very easy for the customer. And that's a huge win. When I joined VA, I knew it was somewhat innovative and uh, pretty interesting in that way. But I tell you what, now that I've been here, um, and I just was pitching this, that VA and most agencies do a horrible job of marketing themselves. Because the fact matter is, is you, you should be highlighting all the amazing things you do. And they do every day. And there's the public-private partnerships that they've got with like with some of the new ones, and uh, with Squib and stuff like that are awesome. And they're trying to use all sorts of tools to try to improve the experience for the veterans, their family, as well as their caregivers. So, like one of them, it's interesting. I was working a little bit with the Veterans Experience Office for a while there, and a couple of good friends over there, Lee Becker, some others, and. Um, and so in this case, they started, they brought that out. It's been a few years now, but, but they finally got it kind of dialed in. And, and their, their data that they get in real time and then provide back out to not just the, the healthcare facilities, but to disability claim units, to memorializations and cemeteries. And they can inform every group of basically where their major pain points are. And you can, re, you can pivot on that very quickly. So a very quick, fast example, a, a, a large VAMC, VA Medical Center, um, had always routinely had high scores on a, on a five-star scale, and, but they started dropping precipitously. And everybody's like, what is going on? And so, you know, they're, they're trying to figure it out. And VEO provided uh, some knowledge from the various systems that we use for customer experience. And they found out that, and it was not something they, they even thought about, was the pharmacy. The pharmacy was very slow. Uh, my understanding is at least one of the people was rather surly and, uh, and not as quite as customer focused as they should be. And, uh, and it just was, took a long time. It wasn't good service. It wasn't polite service uh, as much as it should be. And it was the major pain point. And they were able to pivot on that within a, a week, few weeks. All of a sudden, the scores start ticking back up. The issues were addressed, and uh, and the processes were improved, and they get a great experience again. So, if you can get insights like that in fairly near real time, that is a game changer, because then you can focus again on the customers and root out the pain points and problems and process issues, and and address them long before it becomes a major major issue. It just becomes a bullet. And people can forget a blip, and they can excuse and be fine with a blip, as long as it isn't long-lasting. And that's when you lose customers, which in VA, you can lose customers. There are people who have the wherewithal to be able to go and, and not go to VA and choose other medical channels. And we, we want to be the ones they want to go to. 
because we are the best at serving the veteran with a strong veteran workforce. Preston, your portfolio is getting larger. So what are your key priorities of your office? So in our case, so I'm going to always kind of pitch the things that I think should need to be matured because as the director, that's one of my jobs. (laughs) So we have the governance piece for that. And so we have created the documents, try to make them user-friendly, worked with all of our clients to develop the handbook, directive, charters, all the documents that you need. And we're building the right tools to make it easy for them and easy for their internal controls to flow naturally into the risk register where it is triaged and determined which level it is, enterprise, functional, and local. And so that's all in the works. Some of it is done. Some of it is almost done. So we have to kind of lead the program. We also, I conduct all the work group meetings and the uh, enterprise risk council meetings who vote on risks and what's in the risks and what's in the risk profile and all the steps throughout. But our goal and our job is to mature the organization to where risk management brings high value to senior leadership so they can make all the right decisions for, for VA and their customers. And that is our intent. That's in a nutshell between the foresight, the strategy, and the risks. We can cover a good large amount of space to try to help give them all the materials and guidance that they need to, to make those decisions. That's awesome. Uh, can we talk outcomes? Would you outline the desired outcomes VA seeks to achieve from its ERM program? So if a, a good ERM program that encompasses all the bells and whistles, right, to where everything's connected, you have all the stakeholder, uh, the stakeholder plans, the dependencies, you have to pull in, you mentioned about agile, but there's, there's a lot of activities organizations can do that are like single stream sound, they sound like they're single stream, like Lean Six Sigma or Agile or something on those lines. These are processes, these are approaches. And if you've got a lot of these pieces in place, you can tackle many things, but you got to have them connected. They have to be working. Your risks have to be supporting the strategies. Now, there are things that are compliance, and you know what? They're going to be in a risk register, but they shouldn't be one of your highest scoring risk register items. Risk register items, in my opinion, are should belong to ones that are customer-driven. The most important ones are the CDRM type things, customer-driven risk management. The compliance activities, financial things, those are all processes that you need to manage, and you need to manage them appropriately. But I don't typically view those as like the fives out of five scores for likelihood, velocity, and impact. It's anything hitting the customers gets those kind of scores in, in our mind. And that's how we got, try to guide it as best we can. So keep the focus on what matters most. So those are a couple of the activities. But uh, the Lean Six Sigma, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Lean Six Sigma. I'm certified in that. And, uh, and I'd have no problem with Agile, but that's a little bit, mm, a little bit more IT-centric. And, and I'm not in IT. But we do work closely with IT. So, and I do understand the value of it. But the Lean Six Sigma approach, I think, in both organizations use it, VA as well as uh, Postal Service. That is another way to shortcut the problems and without even having to put up a risk. You just do a quick win, triage it, fix it, adjust it, didn't work, do it again, and keep it going in the cycle until it's all fixed. And then disseminate that knowledge across the organization so everybody can benefit from those advantages. Before you know it, you're going to see some of those risks drop significantly quickly because you've spread this great best practice across an entire organization. That's huge when you can find those spaces. That's pretty awesome. And the agile approach there is impressive. 
would you walk us through the VA's ERM process and the five-step life cycle? Perhaps you can give us an overview of the VA ERM governance approach. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty standard. We're right in line with A123. You got to identify them, right? You got to get it organized. You got to get it assessed. You got, and that's actually one of the big pieces. The people, I think one of the biggest gaps that I've seen in the federal service portion is um, lack of experience on doing risk assessments. But that is probably the key one. But you got to go through the identification, get the right players in the right place, you get start getting the right information, frame it up, do the assessments, and then uh, start launching one or more plans. Because you may need 10 plans to address all the things that came out of it. And then, of course, monitor it, report on it. And those, are, to me, are more of the compliance step activities. But if you're doing it, it should be a high, high velocity overall. This is not an annual activity. If you're only looking at calling and updating risks once a year, you're not doing risk management. That's a compliance drill. You should be doing it daily, weekly, monthly, and that's the only way you can pivot fast enough to be able to ensure that strategy or that objective is going to be accomplished. And um, I've, seen, I've seen a few places where they only kind of do semi-annual or annual, and that's not risk management to me. It needs to be faster. It's a much faster process. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Uh, the ERM is but one of probably a million processes at the VA. How is VA integrating ERM within other VA processes? Well, that's the thing. Every process, it could, I'm not going to say should because it's not all true in every case, but could be related to a risk. Every process needs to be evaluated annually, typically, because uh, you just don't have time to do it all the time, but, and sometimes by exception, depending on the situation. But you need to review your processes, you know, because times are changing fast for us right now. Not only did we have the technology explosion where everything just Moore's law is just so far gone. I don't know what we're, it's a more moral law. I don't know, but it's gotten to where it's so fast. I don't even know if you can calculate the, the change from month to month, but it is so quick that you have to be able to put it very, very nimbly. And so in this case, with our particular approach, you should be reviewing your processes and looking for the gaps and where there are opportunities to maybe change it and where you see we're, oh, we're going this way. We're starting to use AI more. Do we actually need to hire as many people in this space when we're not certain how much AI can do? And they have already done pilots on that with some uh, success, actually quite a bit of success. So that you can see that, but it, it then changes everything else. What is our process? Do we go to AI first and then to person for validation? Do you stay with the person then run the AI after the fact to test it? There's so many things to consider, even on something as simple or what could be perceived as simple as that. But all the processes with the technology, and now think of all the processes that are changing just because of COVID. You can't even work the same way as you did six months ago. And, and how do you connect with people? How do you work those meetings? How do you discuss those things? How do you get information out and data out? As uncertain this time is, the only thing that's really certain is that we need to be nimble and adjusting quickly. Preston, would you describe the most recent VA risk portfolio? Perhaps you could highlight some of your key risks and how VA has sought to mitigate them. So, that's a good question. So we've got typically ranging about 15 major items on the risk profile on average. And they're, they're good. They're, they're big, right? So they're all encompassing kind of elements, you know, IT modernization and, and legacy and all that as well. Obviously, that's pretty well known in the, in the media 
you know, that we were trying to make major changes in IT structures and processes and things along those lines. But the IT is a big one, but it's not a big shock that we had a little bit of a surge this year in the risk profile. There's more things on there than was before. So one of them you can probably guess is a, is a pandemic slash uh, national crisis. Uh, actually, two of those popped up. Uh, for the risk profile, and they were voted, in. one of them has already been voted into the risk profile by the Enterprise Risk Council. One is in the queue uh, to see if they want to consider the second one. One was hyper-focused on uh, healthcare, and the other um, high-level pandemic, catastrophic kind of risk profile was aimed at non-healthcare. There was two. So those pop in place. Fraud, waste, and abuse is one that, as you know from the A123, uh, is required to be in a risk profile for all federal agencies. So, of course, ours is in there, and we, we do have those issues. And it was funny, I was just entering one or two of the 47 fraud risks that I just gotten recently from VHA and the Office of Management, and, uh, and those were all actually accepted. Uh, these weren't ones that we're going to mitigate right away because uh, they've been reduced so low uh, that the likelihood and the impact of velocity are so low that uh, if we were to put any more money in trying to fix the little bits that are left, it would be a lot of diminishing returns. We're not, we're actually gonna spend a lot more to try to fix that little bit. So uh, that, that shows that there's some, been some maturity in that space too. So those, those are a couple. Uh, we had obviously catastrophic and pandemic related. Those were new additions. Also aging of, uh, of the veterans and how to serve them moving forward. Because you probably know that a lot of people are doing a lot of telepresence or telework, including us right now. And uh, whereas normally we would be in a studio. But because of that, that whole telepresence, tele approach, the world has changed. Even the nature of work is changed. And our customers are the same way. Are they going to want to need to go to a medical facility? Or are they going to get a lot of their services Virtually, uh, if you've got a Fitbit, they can keep or something along those lines. You can keep track of their heart rates and their medical condition to a certain extent. And what if those get a little bit more sophisticated? Test their blood pressure every day. You get to see the tracking. Just uh, pharmaceuticals as needed. You know, do you, how often do you need to go to a facility? So that that kind of brings into place when right now we're just going through the capital planning cycle, and so that informs that. What are we going to do? What if we don't need as many facilities as we were planning? So these are all risks. These are opportunities. These are things that need to be discussed and they need to be assessed. And that is kind of the part that we try to play and facilitate with all of our ecosystem within VA and outside of VA. How is VA using strategic foresight to enhance decision-making? We will ask Preston Finley, Director of Foresight, Strategic Planning, and Risk Management at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. How does an agency decide upon and implement a performance management framework that will be successful for their specific administration? The IBM Center Report, a practitioner's framework for measuring results, follows the implementation and results of the CSTAT management framework in Colorado's Department of Homeland Security in hopes that it can guide others who may want to institute a similar approach. 
Download a practitioner's framework for measuring results by Melissa Wavelet on businessofgovernment.org today. Agile methodology has allowed for agencies to keep up with the growing demands for fast response to problem solving. The Opportunity Project, TOP, serves as a catalyst in adapting agile techniques to solve complex agency mission problems. TOP works with federal agencies to identify challenges and facilitate iterative approaches in response. In the IBM Center Report, Agile Problem Solving in Government, Joel Gurin and Katerina Ribello discuss the factors of success involved in TOP. Download your free copy today at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Preston Finley, Director of Foresight, Strategic Planning, and Risk Management at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. In the last segment, Preston, we explored ERM efforts, Enterprise Risk Management efforts at VA, and now I'd like to delve into another aspect of your portfolio, Strategic uh, Foresight. What is Strategic Foresight, and how does it differ from futuristic forecasting? So to me... You know, when you do the futuristic forecasting, a lot of times it's, uh, it's, it's data that's extrapolated from historical many times, right? And you get these uh, scenarios, the econometrics, things like that, that could develop the, the baseline scenario for moving forward, as well as the most optimistic, most pessimistic. You see those in different variations. And, and they're all useful, and they, they help the conversation for risk and strategies, to be honest. Because uh, if you are risk-averse, you're going to go lean more towards the baseline, maybe even go pessimistic intentionally because you just don't want the risk exposure. But if you're a very aggressive organization and you uh, have a greater tolerance for risk, you might be leaning more towards that optimistic side and, and trying to push that direction. But there's nothing wrong with analysis. You should be doing analysis. You should be doing financial and data analysis, predictive as best as possible. But you also then, you have to temper that to a degree with a real, and, and this is where the art comes in. So there's a science to it in mathematics. There's also putting the pieces together. And this is a challenge for like most organizations is that you have to have folks who read a lot, follow the trends, find the niches, if you will, where everything is coming together in a confluence, where one thing is important, two things important, three things just made it an amazing opportunity and you have to track that. And you, when you see certain things occur, you already have to have those plans in place. And so uh, I'm aware of one that occurred at the Postal Service while I was there where these kinds of plans were in place. It, it was being tracked for quite some time. And, uh, and there were plans if this happened. Because, I mean, Amazon is a definite partner of the Postal Service, and they, they have been for quite some time. And, uh, but you know, they also at one point in time kind of view, were perhaps viewed as a risk that they would uh, take share from uh, the all any shipper, including postal service. And so you had to kind of watch that and okay, what is it? Is it an opportunity? Is it a, is it a risk? Is it both? And so you have to watch that and then and get enough information, get the plans together and modify them as needed. And then when something comes along, in this case, postal service got a signal that something was about to occur specifically that uh, Amazon was going to start launching their own uh, delivery system in the greater DC area. So because of the plans that were in place, they were able to go meet with the important people in that organization within a few days. They had a number of pilots organized with that organization 
uh, of which now you know as Sunday Delivered. Back then it was called Early Bird, but, uh, but they accomplished a lot. It was really great planning on their part and knowing when to act upon it. And it's benefited both organizations that participate in it to this day. So those are things that came out of foresight, planning, risk planning, and, and it worked. And it brought a lot of value to the organization at the time in a window that was challenging. And Preston, as a follow-up, how can strategic foresight help government leaders make more effective and, and better decisions? Well, that's the thing. You get everybody's got so their own thoughts, their own creativity, and everybody's noodling these things, right? They're thinking about these things, and to be honest, the foresight kind of helps those who are already thinking of it. When you put great information in front of them, whether it's data or anecdotal, but it can convince folks that are already uh, thinking of something that my idea is right. This is the better approach. And if you are a senior leader and you're in that position, you can kind of persuade an organization if you're at that level to start thinking a certain way. And it can pivot your, it can change your strategies. It really can. Again, you have to have confidence in it. If you don't have confidence in it because you don't have enough data or it's just not enough canaries in the mine shaft, then you're just, um, you're not going to be willing to bank perhaps your career and your, your reputation on it. But if you can put the right information in front of people, they will exercise their right to lead the organization the way they feel is appropriate. And it might be earth shattering in a positive way. So there's definite opportunities and there are methodologies for doing foresight. You can look them up and there are a few vendors out there that actually provide a really good uh, foresight training. And uh, there's a lot of people who know, and there's some who don't, but we are those that do like us and the FFCOI. Um, they're a good place to reach out to if you wanted a little bit of help on that. Sure. Thank you. You gave some remarkable examples of strategic foresight's use inside of the Postal Service, and strategic foresight isn't new in government. Can you tell us about the ways foresight has been used and applied in the VA and across government? Yeah, there's a, a number of cases where we've been tracking certain things. We are always tracking stuff. And uh, various trends, various issues, uh, AI being one of them, cyber, and there, there's lots of spaces that we have. We follow the skeptic model, so you can look it up if you got a chance. But it's basically got social and technology. It's got these various aspects, environmental. So we see things sometimes that are long range, but we also see things that are very short term. They're popping up and they're accelerating, and we've, uh, we don't just wait around and give it to senior leaders. We direct those as soon as we get them, and we realize this is, they need to know now. We send it directly to the people that are responsible for those programs and processes. And a number of groups have pivoted almost immediately within, say, a week, week and a half. They were adjusting strategies because the value of the information. That's actually our number one goal. That's why I believe that you should be doing uh, at least environmental scanning and foresight activities every day because you don't know what you're going to miss, which key nugget is the piece that puts the whole puzzle together enough that you can provide it senior leadership and they adopt and adjust to it right away. We had one that uh, we actually kind of stepped slightly beyond our normal line that we're comfortable with, but it was became very, very apparent that uh, there was a, a lot of challenges in some places about uh, the experience of uh, veteran women 
And so we highlighted it and actually got together with the folks that were responsible for that program and developed a couple risks very quickly. And it got right to the Enterprise Risk Council uh, very shortly after that, and they unanimously approved it for the risk profile. And it caught such so it's caught fire so fast and so hot. It ended up in one of our uh, major voting boards, uh, the VA Operations Board, and the secretary and depth secretary were there. It was a very lengthy conversation and, and information sharing. Uh, more resources and plans were created almost on the spot to change some of the things that we're doing. And those are in play now. They started within weeks uh, of the identification of the issues. So, so this is one where it's not necessarily, it's not a crystal ball. It's not something that you're looking way down the line all the time. Some of these can just jump right out at you and they're much more short term and they can be acted upon in the short term to bring huge value to the customer. And in this case, it, it, it has already. So, and it will moving forward too. This is a lasting effort that's, that will be enduring and it will change the nature of uh, the veteran experience for women in uh, healthcare facilities. Let's talk collaboration for a second. To what extent is cross-agency collaboration essential for effective strategic foresight? How can existing efforts be improved to achieve this goal? Well, the collaboration is really important. I mean, it, first off, it's fun. I mean, you get to go meet with other people, get to steal their eyes, their ideas shamelessly and they steal yours best practices. It's a great community. And I get to participate in uh, quite a few meetings here and there. Uh, Treasury, uh, Karen runs a really great uh, meeting every quarter out of the Treasury office. It's ERM, COP type structure. And it's brought a lot of value. We've worked with a lot of organizations and even ones you wouldn't naturally think of. Basically, the uh, Council of uh, Office of Inspector Generals, we've presented to them. And actually, the ERM ecosystem that's out there in the federal agencies worked with uh, the SIGI, which is basically the group that is the OIG's kind of council. They worked in partnership with OMB, other agencies, and SIGI uh, to develop the, the first real federal maturity model. And it's really good. We're piloting it in VA along with other agencies because it's it's so good. It's got all these steps, okay? If you're at tier three or level three, this is the kind of activities that are happening. You want to be at five because five is like, you know, the cream of the crop, that you're doing all the best practice. You're doing everything right across multiple categories. And so we've adopted it in VA as the uh, as a maturity model to follow. And so we would never have known that if, if we had been participating in this ecosystem and got to get involved with it as well as early as we did and get to be one of the people that's doing the pilot because uh omb we were talking to our friends over there and they were like well you'd be the biggest agency we need a bigger one you know we've got xyz but uh, we need something of that size to really kind of uh, help test run it and because we've got this kind of space for this size agency but we just don't have anybody in that range so we meet with them all the time and we share uh, there was a agency shortly after I took over this role that was trying to stand up an ERM thing. I sent them all of our documents. They were draft documents, but I gave them a jump start. I gave them all of our, our framework implementation plan, the charters that we had for our various councils, some extra knickknacks that we had laying around. And we gave them everything we had. And we said, anything that helps you get started, feel free. We've received benefits like that from others, too, where they've given us great ideas and suggestions and and we work even internally with all of our ERM POCs 
I could not have gotten the uh, handbook and the directive uh, to the point where they're uh, going through like final steps to get it approved without them because they gave us some great insights and suggestions. So we, we interact a lot with externally and internally and that's it, collaboration is key. Absolutely key. And I view them as our customers actually too, because we're all in a federal agency, which means we're all serving each other. Uh, and when you think about it that way, we're all paid to serve each other and all American citizens. So we're all customers to each other, even if you don't think of it that way. Absolutely. We've talked forecasting versus foresight, decision-making, cross-agency collaboration. The demand for measurable outcomes has posed an enduring challenge in both public and private sectors. Can the effectiveness of strategic foresight be measured? Well, it can. I mean, in some cases. Uh, so, so what would you measure, right? You can measure a lot of things. And, and that's one thing when I was, when I try to counsel people on using foresight, changing a plan, something along those lines, is what is the cost? What is the benefit? And if it's benefiting the customer, those are the toughest ones to actually calculate, right? Because essentially you're working after what is kind of considered a private sector concept, an accounting concept to a degree, uh, goodwill. What is goodwill worth? Well, if you're in a company that tracks market share, things like that, customer experience metrics, you, you kind of have an idea. If you do something pretty big and let's say like a forever stamps kind of game changer, then uh, you'll probably see a pretty big uptick in your customer experience numbers. Uh, so, and, and perhaps greater market share, not necessarily in the letter space for the post service, because that's technically a, something that you can't compete in, at least not with a stamp, but you can work with other companies in a different way, but it, it, it brings value and there's ways you can calculate it because there's a compliance activity, although that doesn't usually attract with money, but there are side effects and, and benefits to it. You don't want to end up damaging your brand coming up in audit reports that look awful. <laughs> or you end up on the uh, Washington Post or any other post. And you certainly don't want to be on things like evening news. So there's value to foresight, collaboration, risk management strategy on all those things. And you can calculate it to a certain degree. You might have to do more of uh, an overall uh, model that just kind of estimates it. But you can get it pretty close. And I, just because I was there and I knew a little bit about it, I knew the value of the impact of for a while there. I'm not there anymore, so I don't know the exact numbers now. But the numbers, that that, that idea about uh, working with Amazon that happened in VA had real numbers behind it. And so, as well as forever stamps. There was cost avoidance in that, as well as market share implications, as well as overall uh, revenue. And, and that was a great thing. That was covers the whole space. There was, it covers risk. It covers opportunity and everywhere in between, and it's very customer focused. If you get all that, you got like an ultimate, uh, an ultimate solution there, in my opinion. What does the future hold for the use of strategic foresight and customer-driven ERM within VA? We will ask Preston Finley, Director of Foresight, Strategic Planning, and Risk Management at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. How can government best use big data to transform decision-making, public services delivery, and communication? 
The IBM Center Report, Integrating Big Data and Thick Data to Transform Public Services Delivery by Yan Yan Ang presents five recommendations for public managers introducing the concept of mixed analytics, urging thick data, meaning qualitative information about users, to be presented alongside big data to improve government decision-making. Visit businessofgovernment.org to read more. What is next for IT modernization and digital transformation within the U.S. federal government? How else can federal technology transform the lives of citizens? What does the future hold for federal IT? Join host Michael Keegan as he explores these questions and more with Suzette Kent, former Federal Chief Information Officer, on the next Business of Government Hour on Federal News Network. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Preston Finley, Director of Foresight, Strategic Planning, and Risk Management at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. So, uh, uh, Preston, how has the response to the pandemic and the need to respond to this pandemic that we're living in changed the way you do business applying and using strategic foresight and risk management within VA? Nothing has actually changed what I say on that one. So, uh, only from the point of view that we were already doing foresight on a day-to-day basis and sharing that information around the organization. We also did newsletters and things like that. And we do participate still in the FFCOI, Federal Foresight Community of Interest. But for us, nothing has changed. We already had a pandemic and catastrophic risk in the risk register before this happened. And the main, this is where foresight comes in play, because you probably know, you know, leading before that, while COVID was a new thing, there were tons of SARS cases out there. There was swine flus running around. You had Lassa fever, Ebola. These are all popping up around the globe all the time. They just don't get it to the domestic market very much because they're not usually here. Everybody remembers H1N1 back, what, six, seven years ago or so? And that was the first time where the whole handshake thing like, ceased for a while, right? And then we're back to that. So we already had one in there. And it was basically titled essentially along the range of globalized travel and logistics could create the opportunity for a pandemic. And wow, that kind of happened, didn't it? So the organization should be prepared for that. And the organization was in a lot of ways. Actually, they, they kind of saw fourth mission opportunities coming really soon. And they embraced it. Now, there were challenges with supply chains all over the country about getting enough medical equipment and things like that that was not unique to uh, VA or anywhere else. And then too much, too fast. But I think everybody's going to be a little bit better prepared as we move forward. I think that uh, maybe people didn't realize this could actually happen, but um, it's here to stay. And if it continues as it is, we'll probably still have to deal with this for a while. And then we've got to watch for the next thing. So um, I think that you're going to see these kinds of uh, risk register items and profiles uh, being enduring on many agencies' risk profile because we know it can happen now and we know that we can respond to it and be effective, but uh, we have to be prepared. What does the future hold for the use of strategic foresight and customer-driven ERM? With us, we try to focus, again, within our organization and trying to um, mature the organization and also to mature them to the point where they're focused the most on, um, uh, in this case, customer-driven initiatives 
or veteran-driven initiatives. Bring out, bring better outcomes. Now the organization is they were they were doing this before I came to VA, and it's only getting better and they're maturing very quickly. And we're we partner with them very closely. Uh, we want to know their insights as well, and uh, and just so we could kind of track and trend it, monitor it ourselves. And now we're not going to do it on a, a micro level. We'll track it more as a, as a macro level from our function and our responsibility. But uh, but I do love to get there. They shoot me over. I got an email impromptu from a friend of mine who's working in that department. Shot me some very cool insights that are related to our customer base, and that was and it was a wonderful read. And you know we kind of wove that into some of our other foresight activities and shared a few things with some other places within the organization so that they could benefit from it too. So foresight, I can't preach it enough. Customer driven management. Uh, risk management is the game, the name of the game. And if you're not doing some kind of foresight activity, you're never going to anticipate those customer needs in advance. You have to do it uh, on a religious basis. It is almost like your own church that you are wanting to be in there and, and trying to find out divine, if you will, the opportunities to find something that's going to help your customers and your employees. I and mean, it's both because you got to have great employees to have good customer service. So, so it's got to affect something that drives the experience. And those are the most important ones. So Preston, what, what advice would you give someone who's thinking about a career in public service? I've always been service-minded, and, um, and I get great intrinsic value from it. And uh, I love what I do. I love being able to try to help on a national scale. I like to be able to do the things that I could see millions of Americans getting benefit from. That just jazzes me up. I got goosebumps right now. And uh, it's just because, you know, it's one thing to affect a community, which is awesome. And that's very exciting too. But when you see, wow, we did this and it, it affected this many people and their lives are probably better for it. That is just something you just can't get unless you're in a, in my opinion, in federal service. And that jazzes me up every day and it keeps me jazzed up. And I'm hoping that uh, others that are thinking about it, you know, will consider that uh, the opportunity to make a big, big difference for a lot of folks that you might actually know. So Preston, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. But more importantly, Mark and I would like to thank you for your dedicated service to the country. Oh, well, thank you. This has been the Business of Government Hour. A conversation with Preston Finley, Director of Foresight, Strategic Planning, and Risk Management at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. My co-host today from IBM was Mark Newsom. Be sure to join us next week for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on improving government leadership and its effectiveness. Until then, subscribe, download, and listen to the entire interview at Podcast One, iTunes, or on your favorite podcast app. And as always at businessofgovernment.org. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan, and thank you for joining us. This has been the Business of Government Hour. Be sure to visit us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. There you can learn more about our programs and get a transcript of today's conversation. Until next week, it's businessofgovernment.org.